general nerdery. It's the sound of a street corner choir. It's going home and getting warmed by the fire. <laughs> it's true wherever you find love, it feels like Christmas. That was not what I was expecting. Yeah, I know. Thing. I've been sitting on that for a while. Uh, welcome to General Nerdery, a podcast about loving things. We're your generals. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And I'm thoroughly entertained. <laughs> I was not sure if that was the right move to go with. Yeah, and this is our Christmas episode, our holiday episode. I think we're going to focus mostly on Christmas, just because that's what mostly gets focused on across uh, media. I love Christmas. Like, that's the one I always celebrate. And I'm not religious at all, but I've always enjoyed the holidays. So yeah, I wanted to do a Christmas episode. I'm mostly positive on Christmas. <laughs> you know, that's... That's fine. That's a pretty good place to go to. I worked retail too many years to be super positive on Christmas yeah. anymore. Be nice to retail workers, everyone. We uh, love you. <laughs> uh, but also having a sibling that is 23 years younger than me and is like the perfect age to watch them oh, experience yeah. Christmas my, has brought me a lot more back into the Christmas spirit. So. My nieces and nephews just love Christmas and uh, I love watching them love Christmas and then letting them go home to their... Yeah, uh, not having <laughs> to deal with them yourself. It's so much less work. Uh, how was your week? Couple weeks. Pretty yeah. good. Uh, let's, yeah, let's see. It is the... 16th when we're recording this so uh star wars comes out next week so i've been watching all of the or is all of the current trilogy at least to make sure i'm all caught up watch last jedi last night stayed up way too late watching last jedi last night it's a long movie yeah i always forget that that one's like 45 minutes longer than the other ones and i i really liked last jedi uh, we are still going to have an entire episode about the last jedi oh good because I just want to sit here and defend it some more. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll bring Yui back for that one. They have opinions. That would be great. I mean, they film major. They're, of course, going to have opinions. It was so much fun having Yui on. Yeah, it'd be fantastic. Anyway. How about you? What's your week been like? It's been good. Been good. Just nothing, nothing too special. I've been having to clean up and shit. I got apartment inspections coming up, so... Yeah, I get to do some of that tomorrow. So that's what it's been. And like this morning and I don't know. I woke up way, way earlier than normal and it feels, everything feels weird today. So that's, that's where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, where I'm also at right now is sitting on some news. Oh, hit me with the news. Uh, so we've been sort of touching on... Uh, Batman casting. Yeah. Every time it's come up a little bit. Uh, Peter Sarsgaard, not Skarsgaard. This is the one that was in Green Lantern. Yeah, Green Lantern. Wait, that... the 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 villain in Green Lantern that loses his mind. Uh, yeah. God, what's his name? That character. That's. Yeah, Doctor Hector Hammond. Hammond. That's it. Jesus, I wanted to say Hall, and I was mixing him with Hawk. Uh. Peter Sarsgaard has been cast in the Batman. Oh, who's he playing? We don't know. Oh, good. A mystery role. But we have a very good guess. Yeah? Part of his announcement involved him posting his wife shaving his head for his role. Or presumably for his role. But it was, you know, whatever the caption said underneath was like, Oh, you know, I'm so excited to be a part of Matt Reeves the Batman, da-da-da-da. And... Exactly half of his head was shaved. 
Ah, okay. So everyone's kind of thinking Two-Face. God, they're putting a lot of villains in that movie at that point. Because I've heard, what, uh, Penguin, possibly Zaz, now Two-Face. Right. Um... The three move, the three villain movie always makes me nervous. Like Spider Man three was so overly crammed with the three villains. I think, I mean, I think it just depends on how you. It it, it always is going to depend on how you do it, oh, obviously. Yeah. But I, I guess I just hope that they're not trying to split up screen time equally between these villains. You know what I mean? Yeah, like the short Zaz appearance. Yeah. Uh, Short, whatever, like, maybe the Penguin isn't even working as a villain in this one. He's just a part of society. Mm-hmm. I'm oddly confident about this movie. Like, most of the DC movies have been iffy. Let's be honest about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I don't know, for some reason I just have some trust in it. That Like, it, it's not hard to make a solo Batman movie, I think, is the It the shouldn't be. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll see. But I I have confidence in Matt Reeves because of what he did with Planet of the Apes. Those were pretty good. I love the Apes franchise, and he just gave me even more reason to continue loving it. So, um, did you see the Ghostbusters trailer? Yes. Thoughts? Not enough Ghostbusters in it. Yeah. Um, that's unfair. Uh, I, I know, because we talked about it, that Bill Murray was coming back and stuff, and they've got everyone but Egon himself because Harold Ramis is dead uh which I think might end up hitting me again if I when I go watch that movie oh man and when watching Last Jedi yesterday I got to the scene where Luke talked to Leia and I'm just like I'm not crying (laughs) you're crying uh but Ghostbusters it looked interesting it didn't have much to really go off of Stranger Things kids Ant-Man Finn Wolfhard is just going to get cast in every role, even tangentially like his Stranger Things character, right? I was reading a thing that he's like the most weirdly typecast of everything he does has to connect to the 80s somehow. Yeah, it is is so strange. (laughs) And I don't know how much longer they're going to be able to keep that up because even in this, he's starting to noticeably grow up. Yeah, he is uh, season one whatever this kid's name is versus sorry uh versus the ghostbusters trailer and i think he's about a head and a half taller than he was so he's also starting to get rather pretty and i'm kind of wondering what roles hollywood's going to start trying to fit him into i think he'll be okay he's a cash cow right now wonder woman trailer i saw it i haven't been able to see it with sound yet so it looked really pretty i love the 80s version of the kingdom come armor that they're doing uh if you haven't seen it with sound yet then we're just going to pause it and watch the trailer yeah sounds great all right so now you've seen it with sound what do you think (laughs) that music works way better than it has any right to do do we know who skeezy rich looking guy is uh maxwell lord oh holy shit yeah uh, Justice League International is like one of my all-time favorite comic runs. So anytime they use Max Lord, even though they always just make him an evil scumbag anymore. As played by the Mandalorian. What? <laughs> that was Pedro Pascal. Holy shit. <laughs> that dude's got more range than I thought he did. Uh, and then, of course, we saw some not-cheated-out cheetah. Yeah, with Dr. Minerva, which I've... 
I, I didn't care for Cheetah until I read the Greg Rucka Wonder Woman Rebirth run, which, amazing book, by the way, if you get a chance, check it out, uh, which really played the Cheetah-Wonder Woman friendship in a way that I, like, connected to. The only, and this, I brushed up against this in the first Wonder Woman movie, too. I love that they use the golden lasso so much. I don't like how it looks. It's a hard one to do, because it's got a yeah, glow, I don't, but like... I don't know how they would do it any different, but live action, that just looks silly to me. Wonder Woman requires a level of um, of acceptance that some that like what we're used to, Batman and stuff, doesn't quite as much. I mean, it's also ridiculous, but there's no, there's no gods and magic in it, so it's a little... There's less suspension of disbelief required, so I think it's a little weird. Um, I mean, Thor had the same problem, and luckily, at least one of the three Thor movies worked. Uh, also a super 80s doubt movie. Yeah, this movie wants to be Thor Ragnarok so bad it hurts. Uh, which, I liked Thor Ragnarok a lot, so awesome, give it a shot. But part of the reason why Thor Ragnarok worked so well is it wasn't trying to be someone else's movie. It was just doing its own fucking thing. So... So you are definitely going to have a lot more experience with them finding different story ways to bring back Steve Trevor than I do. Yeah, what I is your thought on this? Nothing so far. Uh, <laughs> but I saw big tubes and lightning bolts and stuff like that. So I'm guessing science gone wrong. And I'm betting he's going to have to end up dying again to save the future or something like that. Like, I don't see him getting all the way through this movie. <laughs> but choosing to make the noble sacrifice kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, I have no idea. I Just every little bit more that we see and hear from Steve Trevor and about what's going on seems to break down my favorite fan theory from when it was first announced that he was coming back. What was your fan theory? Uh, my favorite one was that it was going to turn out not to be Steve Trevor, but John Jones. I would have rolled with that oh she would have been so pissed hello i'm not your dead boyfriend i'm in fact the martian manhunter i'm better but it seems like every little bit more of information we get com just obliterates that theory more and more so yeah that's that's fine whatever notice chris P chris pine blah, 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 blah. chris pine is starting to gray up a little bit there but he's pulling it off uh so marvel television is no more. Which, I don't know how big of a deal that actually... It's more like an end of an era type of yeah, thing. Yeah, I don't really care. Like, I, uh, I couldn't get into Legends... Not Legends, sorry. Agents. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I liked the Marvel Netflix, but that never really felt like a big Marvel TV thing as much as kind of its own thing. Yeah, so the uh, the final season of Agents of Shield will still happen. There's still those four animated series pitched to, to Hulu, although those have been kind of, I think, like they're kind of iffy as it is right now. Anyway, oh, that sucks. Those actually looked good, because that was um... maybe not all of them. Like I think the Modoc one still might be. I think that's the one that's that's like, the Patton on, Oswalt one. That's yeah? the Patton Oswalt yes. one. Ooh. I think that one's the one that's on the most solid ground. But things like Tigra and Dazzler are on, like, sh way shakier ground. I would have watched the shit out of an animated Tigra and Dazzler. That's... yes. 
And there's also the live action Hellstrom that they're doing for Hulu, well, which I mean, that is interesting. They they need to stop announcing things and then wildly changing their plans. But a lot of these could just be shuffled in under because they're just moving TV to regular Marvel Studios, if I remember. Like, yeah, I. That's the thing. I, I, this is a little bit more of like an end of an era type thing rather than any big like super life-changing event or something that's going to really affect things that we're going to get. It's going to affect things that we're going to get, but honestly, some of these projects were on shaky ground anyway, and we still might not get some of them, and the ones that they really want to make happen, they still have a platform to make happen. Yeah, I don't see Hitmonkey happening, to be honest with you, which is kind of disappointing, but it's also Hitmonkey. I thought this was kind of interesting, mostly... Because we had talked about them a couple weeks ago. But Benioff and Weiss of Game and Thrones Game of Thrones might be adapting the graphic novel Lovecraft. I know it's a Keith Keith Giffen book, but I don't know anything about it. I, that's the thing. I was hoping maybe you knew a little bit more about it. Even being a giant Lovecraft fan, I don't know much about it, uh, other than like I think it's supposed to be like semi biographical but it's kind of like what if some of his shit was actually real and that's what the inspiration for it was which honestly some of his shit was kind of weirdly real to him because he suffered from night terrors so yeah um this sounds weird because i just described justice league international as one of my all-time favorite runs keith giffen is a so-so author he was great when he's working dialogue with jam dematis i think it's dematis i don't know which is where we get stuff like Justice League International, formerly known as Justice League. Uh, but, I don't know. I don't have any opinions on that because I know literally nothing about it. Yeah, I, I think the more interesting wrinkle to this story is that part of the reason that they had been announced off of the Star Wars project was because of time consideration with their Netflix project, and now this is not being done with Netflix. Hmm. I don't know. There's a, there's a big habit lately of companies making big announcements about stuff and then them not happening, so there's a few of these that I'm like, oh, I'll pay attention when you start actual production. Yeah. Like I said, I think it was a little bit more interesting to me, mostly because we had already brought oh, them yeah, up no, recently, totally. and... That extra wrinkle of, like, if you guys aren't doing Star Wars to work with Netflix, then why are you not working with Netflix on this? Well, from the sound of it, because they're bad at their jobs, but I don't... Yeah. We had the announcements of the next Xbox. Xbox Series X. That's just always kind of a big thing, that we Is have the next generation of console. XX, or...? I'm... I mean, I'm going to probably start calling it the X-Sex. Yeah, I figured that there was all sorts of... There, there's a whole host of jokes to be made. How long is This is going to be the true sex box? Oh, God. How long has the X-Bone been out for at this point? Like, I I am years out of date with video games for the most part, so... I, I mean, a good time... A good, good bit of time now? I'm not sure. I should have really looked that up. I think it's mostly a big thing because it, it seems like generations of consoles... Have a longer life these days, so... Yeah, I guess maybe it just feels shorter to me because I'm not 12 anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, I just, I remember feeling like the PS2 lasted forever, but I think it was only like five years or so. Right, and I think, I feel like the bone's been around for a bit now, right? 
I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't. it all blends together. I fucking I Time play, is I play the games. But... I like the Xbox. I've played some good games on it. It's never one I've been. It's never one I've really thought about getting myself because there's not enough Xbox specific games for me to to really be devoted, especially someone who mostly plays Nintendo games, anyways. Yeah, I tend to mostly go Xbox. That was mostly a choice made back in the day because more of my friends had Xboxes than PlayStation. See, I went PS2 because of the exact opposite reason at first. So it's and now it's just sort of ingrained in yeah. like yeah, that's definitely a thing with the Xbox versus PlayStation setup. Although at a certain point, I mean, especially now that we're going to get that the next gen coming out within the next year, because PlayStation Five should also be having more info coming soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, current gen's prices will probably drop a little bit more even. Yeah. And I will probably pick myself up a PlayStation because there are some titles that I've been meaning to get to. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Oh my god, that god of War. so good. Uh, oh right, Teal from Stargate SG-1 voiced uh, uh, the God of War guy in this one. Kratos. Kratos? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's all sorts of titles over on PlayStation side that I know I'm missing out on, but I am generally happy with my Xbox, and I'm looking forward to this next one. So I'm, just, I'm not going to get one at launch because it's always stupid to get a console at launch. Oh yeah, I'm just not a big gamer as we talked about. So since I mostly play Pokemon and Legend of Zelda, I don't have to debate that heavy which game system I'm going to get if I'm going to get one. So earlier this year, Hasbro became, I think, full owners or. Something, I don't know. They have more of a say in Power Rangers than they ever have before. Yeah, they just bought I, out Saban, didn't they? I or think so. Like that? Like, I didn't look, in, I didn't look into it. Hasbro doesn't fuck around. Yeah, Hasbro doesn't fuck around. So they're trying to get back. They're like, we know we have some IP to work with. They're talking to Paramount about a new movie reboot. Just a couple of years after that last reboot. I, I don't care about Power Rangers. <laughs> like, I keep wanting to care because... Something about the the Sentai concept is really appealing to me as a comic nerd, but every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, right. I was five when I was a fan of this. Like, it, it's just not one of the ones that's aged up with me. Uh, well, the, the current concept that's being thrown around is that we would, there would be a new set of Rangers from modern day. However, there'd be a time travel aspect where they would be caught back in the 90s in the original... <laughs> Power Ranger period and have to find a way back. I'm not sure if I'm ready for the 90s like nostalgia era that's starting up. Like we're we're oh. hardcore in 80s nostalgia, and I know it's just there's going to be like so much train. extreme stuff. Oh god, uh, everything is going to be extreme. Thinking about just video games, uh, I was talking to someone recently that I worked with and talked about Diablo 2 being like my favorite game. Them being like, oh, I've never actually played it. I was like. Two at the time, and I have never felt older in my life. They've never... (sighs) (laughs) I mean, that game's like 20 years old. No, it it isn't. It's only a couple years Uh old. Don't make me feel that way. (laughs) No, we totally didn't wait 15 years or whatever it was between Diablos 2 and 3. Oh, man. So, I'd say the big news from this week, and the one that most was crazy on my radar with some of the shit that was said... um, Orlando Jones seems to have been fired from American Gods. Yeah. By seems to have been, he's been fired from American Gods in his own words. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Not just him. I was reading today 
I think he was the guy that played the, the, gin. the gin is also not coming back. And I'm like, oh, buddies, you are well, like... Well, I was going to mention him a little bit separately because his statement reads a lot differently than Orlando's. Okay. Um, if they actually fired Orlando Jones, they are dumb as hell. Because, I mean, I've only seen the first season, but his one scene was better than everything else that they did. His... His introduction as Mr. Nancy... His get shit done scene on the slave ship? Yeah, is the, anger the gets point. shit done is one of my favorite scenes in television history right now. Yeah, it's I'd give it that. way up there. That speech is incredible. So, here's what Orlando Jones tweeted. It's, there will be no more Mr. Nancy. Don't let these motherfuckers tell you they love Mr. Nancy. They don't. I'm not going to name names, but the new season three showrunner is Connecticut-born and Yale-educated, so he's very smart and thinks that Mr. Nancy's angry, get-shit-done is the wrong message for black America. That's right. This white man sits in that decision-making chair, and I'm sure he has many black BFFs who are his advisors, and made it clear to him that if he did not get rid of the angry god Mr. Nancy, he'd start a Denmark Vesey uprising in this country. I mean, what else could it be? <laughs> I'm not going to name names, but this guy. <laughs> he did uh, very much thank Neil Gaiman and uh, Brian Fuller and Green from the first season. This show for giving cannot him the opportunity. catch a break. Like, it sounds like every time I turn around, there's new behind-the-scenes drama. Oh, and uh, he called out the production company as well, Fremantle USA. I mean, if this is all true, then good job him. Like, that's... Part of the reason the first season worked so well is it wasn't just the white guy gods. and uh, Their statement, they have responded saying that his uh, option was not picked up because Mr. Nancy, among other characters, is not featured in the portion of the book we are focusing on within season three. Yeah, they're making it sound like he wasn't fired. I don't know. We, I guess we'll find out. And that if does... he wasn't fired before, he probably is now. But I think, I don't know, with the way that they've been telling the story, I feel like it's weird that they wouldn't pick up his option to at least run him alongside. Yeah, just to keep him available. I don't know. I mm. Because it seems, so, who you were mentioning, Musa Kraish. Thank you. Uh, who played the djinn, also has been let go. Though his, his statements read more like he might come back at some point, but he's definitely not appearing in season three, basically. That's, that's fair. Um, and also reached out to Neil, being like, thanks. Yeah, from what I understand, Neil is a lovely human being, so I'm not surprised that all of these people are talking to Neil. Uh, the weird thing with all that is, though, so far they've been running a lot of stories parallel. His version sort of backs up what Fremantle's saying, like, we're just not even paying attention to your character this season. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't flow at all with the way that they've been doing the show. And would mean that they're just going to focus almost 100% on Lakeside this season. Which I'm okay with giving focus to that part of the story, because I fucking love American Gods. And the Henselman stuff is going to be crazy, I think. But That's my uh, fiancé's favorite book. Maybe we should get her on for an episode so you two can yell about American Gods yes. together. Yes! <laughs> oh, I reread it like once a year. For her, it's that and uh, uh, Good Omens. Which, that's my favorite of the two. But... Both are good. Uh, but to go along with that, I always fuck up his name. Iwan? Iwan? Rion? Uh, from <laughs> uh, Game of Thrones, Ramsey Bolton, is going to be on American Gods. Okay. So they're picking up him as a leprechaun. 
which I think they just killed Mad Sweeney. I don't know why you're getting rid of your Leprechaun to bring in another one, but... Yeah, especially because Mad Sweeney was awesome. Yeah, and Pablo Schreier? Schreiber? I don't know. Porn I... stash from Orange is the New Black was doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I've got a quick uh, yeah uh, a quick Orange is the New Black story. Uh, I've got a, a relatively conservative relative. Not gonna say the name. Not gonna like he's never gonna listen to this anyways. But just be polite. Who wasn't directly homophobic, but was raised small town Montana and was not quite comfortable with the gays, mm-hmm. to use his words. Um, <laughs> But he got really into Orange is the New Black for some reason, and he was watching with his wife one day, and like in the middle of an episode just pauses it and goes, you know, I think the gays are all right. <laughs> and they went right back to the show. So, no matter what, Orange is the New Black gets credit for ending at least one man's homophobia. So thank you, Orange is the New Black. <laughs> That's awesome. I watched that show really intently the first couple seasons and then it i just sort of fell off it happens oh i probably should have brought this up back after we watched the wonder woman trailer but uh according to brazilian journalist miguel morales patty jenkins has confirmed that the wb is working on a wonder woman spinoff uh that will focus primarily on the amazonians i will believe it when i see more but Cool. The Amazonians were awesome. Bring back uh, Princess Buttercup. Uh, General, General... General Buttercup? (laughs) (laughs) Antiope, I want to say? I don't know Greek names. Uh, Oh, I think you're right. Ah. Next week I'll very embarrassingly be like, why did I possibly say it was Antiope? Um, Whatever. General Buttercup. I'm down. I'm, I'm so down. If they do, like, the sequences as cool as Patty Jenkins did their action sequences and we just get like an entire movie of amazonians being badass i'll watch it yep uh thomas lennon is taking over the role of ooh speaking of tough names mr <laughs> mix it plick mixelpitalik yeah i only know that because of smallville because they had a scene in smallville where he corrected people and like i had never figured out how to pronounce mixy yeah mixy uh, from, well, the guy who played it, uh, previously was Peter Gaddio. He did a good job. I'm way more excited to see Thomas Lennon play. Is this on Mixie. Supergirl? Or? This is on Supergirl. Okay, cool. I just uh, like that they're using Mixlepidilic. Like, that is mostly because it gives me an excuse to say Mixlepidilic, but... So, since they brought in Mixie, now that they have Batwoman going, do you think we're gonna get Batmite? Oh my god. Fucking Batmite. No, you know who we need? Mogo the Bat Ape. Mogo the Bat Ape? The 50s were a weird time, my friend. (laughs) I've never really been able to track anything down. I just know that there was a Mogo the Bat Ape because if you put comic, or if you put apes on the cover of a comic book, it documentably raised the number of sales they would get back then. It's why Superman fought giant gorillas all the goddamn time. I'm pretty sure it's the entire reason Gorilla Grodd exists. Sweet. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I completely believe it. I know it was a weird time. I've seen other things from that time period. I'm just trying to imagine in my head right now a bad ape. As far as I can tell, it was just like a bad drawing of a gorilla. Or like, you know, that kind of like 50s half gorilla, half orangutan look. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, Wearing like 
a domino mask. Um, wearing a domino. God damn it. <laughs> yes. I would watch it. I would read an entire was comic he, based off that. Was he playing with Ace the Bathound? Probably. I don't know, man. I love that Ace has come back. Like, ever since Batman Beyond, it's just become acceptable for Batman to have a Doberman named Ace. Right. Like, oh, I'm, I'm down with Ace. Ace and Crypto. <laughs> Uh, we have release date for Shazam 2. Okay. April 1st, 2022. Do we know who the villain is? He's only got like three notable villains and one of them's getting his own movie instead. Oh, it should be, um, they teased it at the end of this one. It's, uh, fucking, what's his name? The Caterpillar. Mr. Mind. Mr. Mind. That's, that's kind of what the options were. You have Savannah, you have Mr. Mind, you have, uh... Black Adam. Black Adam. Possibly a Nazi... God, Captain Nazi might have been Captain Marvel villain originally, mm. but in the there's only so much you can do. There is no depth to Captain Nazi. He sucks. He's a Nazi. <laughs> it's all in the name. Really. Yeah, it's real straightforward. Um, and we have another rumor of who Idris might be playing in Suicide Squad 2. Or Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad. I'm still assuming it's Bronze Tiger, but... Uh, the current rumor is that it is the Adrian Chase version of Vigilante. Okay. I had, I had, Vigilante never grabbed me that much. I've tried a couple of times. He's not quite Deathstroke or not quite Punisher or not quite Deadshot. Like, there's so much more you could do. Oh, with dude. How awesome would an Idris Deathstroke be? I can watch the shit out of that, but... <laughs> As soon as you said Deathstroke, I'm like, Idris, Death, Deathstroke, <laughs> please. I'm curious who, I mean, there's so many actors attached to this goddamn movie, and we know that most of them are just going to get killed off. It's got King Shark. That's all I needed. I'm a simple man sometimes. I'm just so curious to see which characters are actually being used, because then I can actually, I feel like, start gauging, like, oh, they're just going to waste this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once once they start coming out with stuff and you're like, Rainbow Raider, you're like, well, that guy's going to die. Right. That's it for, that's all I got for news. That, cool. was, that actually went longer than I thought it would, yeah. but, but we're we're good. All we're right. done with news. Uh, what, what media have you been ingesting lately? Ooh, so you let me borrow the Agents of Atlas after we talked about it on the Marvel show. I'm about halfway through and I'm loving it. Oh, it's so good. Uh, to go along with that, I am halfway through, and I wanted, I wanted to be able to give credit to the to the writers and stuff. So let me bring this up real quick. But I am about halfway through the first trade of the new Justice League Dark Run. Oh, that's um, James Tinney in the fourth. God, he's so good. Artist is Alvaro Martinez Bueno, Danielle Semper. Cool. Anyway. It's good art. Uh, I actually have really liked that Justice League Dark Run. Uh, putting in Man Bat as, like, it's been all scientist guy, I didn't expect that, and it works so well. I was going to say, it was so exciting. It was uh, surprising and exciting to be like, wait, did they just say Kirk Langstrom? And then I'm like, <laughs> oh, wow, look at that big-ass bat head. Well, and it brings more to... Man Bat's always kind of just been, like, Lizard knockoff, and I don't know if he actually came first or second, but, like, Lizard's the better-known one of the two, so having him be more this kind of giant nerd scientist 
who that they can cause to, to like Hulk out like, every now and then. Yeah, is uh, it, it gives him more than just like, oh, he's Batman's lizard. Right. Lizard's also a character that works better in theory than execution, but... I, I also, like I said, I'm only halfway through so far, but I also really like the dynamic of Wonder Woman having to be like, guys, listen to me. I'm I'm magic too. <laughs> By you the just way, pay attention. The entire magic community is just like you. You don't get it. Like we have to deal with these threats all the time, and we don't have the option of punching them like you have. <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah, but you need to listen to me because." By the way. I'm a god. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look, man, I deal with the Greek gods every fucking day. I know what you have to deal with. Like, all of, like, I'm not an alien like that guy. My shit isn't because I'm radioactive or got my powers scientifically. My shit is all magic-based, which is something I think is forgotten with One Roman a lot of the time. Yeah, it doesn't really come up because she tends to hang out with all the sci-fi-based, like, Justice League characters. And she's a character that tends to be able to punch things in the face. Mm-hmm. And then just for the final one on that one, just you have to mention Detective Chimp. Because oh, yeah. he's an no. immortal detective who is a chimpanzee. Well, not, dude, and I'm loving the design on Bearded Swamp Thing. Oh, yeah, the Alan Moore look. Like. Dude, yeah, Swamp Thing tromping around looking like Alan Moore. And Tinian apparently loves the fucking Alan Moore run because they are throwing all sorts of references back to shit that happened during that. Thinking about Tinian and also just, he seems like, have you ever read his Detective Comics run? Mm-mm. Uh, he, it's like all of the Batman sidekicks that didn't have their own book put in one book together. Ooh. So yeah, it's really good. He's, he's got a love of continuity, but without being utterly stuck to it, which I, is a mark of a good comic book writer as far as I'm concerned. My biggest problem with Justice League Dark in recent years is having young Constantine. Mm-hmm. Just because I have, I read the entire you read old Constantine for so I read long. the entire Hellblazer run, and one of the marked marked things in those 300 issues is that he aged real time. Yeah, him and Savage Dragon are like the only comic book characters that did that. And so like I got to like experience his 40th birthday party, you know what I mean? And then <laughs> suddenly we have these new continuities, and it's this weird young Constantine, but I kind of, I don't want to like it as much as I do but having young constantine where he remembers some of those past events kind of undoes the ending of hellblazer which i didn't like so fair enough it's been really weird and it's hard for me to completely gel with Mm -hmm. but there's a part of me that really wants to gel with it because i did not like how the series ended so i literally all i know about that is simon bisley did a really great cover for it but simon bisley always does really great covers so that's easy sell Oh god, what did I do this week? Um, oh, I just today finished a Stephen Fry audiobook that he wrote and narrated called Mythos, which is just him telling Greek stories, origin of the gods, uh, Prometheus, all that stuff. It is, if you have read the Greek legends at all, it is absolutely nothing new, but it's told through a Stephen Fry lens, so it's so impeccably and uh, impossibly British. The whole time. The gods are being like, oh, good show. Uh, it, it's funny. It's well told. Um, it's worth It's on Audible. Awesome. What's our next set? Are we going to actually just... Are we on to our topic? Yeah, I guess we're going to just... 
Let's pause for a sec. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, I was asking around at work today, what is your favorite nerd tradition, Christmas tradition? Okay. Because nerd stuff, genre stuff, loves its Christmas episode. And I've noticed that people, so many people answered like, I watch movies on Christmas. Star Wars, I mean, I always want to watch Return of the Jedi. I don't know why. It's <laughs> the, like, possibly the least Christmassy of the Star Wars films, and it's still the one I just automatically go to. I, I can't really think of anything. That I try to get in. Like, certain things are cool. I remember, like, one Christmas after, like, watching Polar Express with all the kids and they went to bed and shit. We just, like, stayed up watching horror movies all night. But it's not something I try to get done. Mm -hmm. Whenever I was younger, if you know, there's different holiday specials and shit on they show on TV. So I'd catch... Usually like Star Wars or something oh, when it was on USA <laughs> over the holidays, but... Last Christmas, uh, one of my friends runs the local college station here, mm -hmm. and she had me and Cece on, and we just watched the Star Wars holiday special live on the radio, and just like narrated it as it was going on. It was the first time I ever saw that movie, and that movie is an experience. Nice. Um, so... There's a review of it that was like, there's no way we can prove that this wasn't written by a sentient bag of cocaine. And I think it's possibly the most accurate description of the Star Wars holiday special I've ever heard. So not, it doesn't have to be genre specific, mm -hmm. and especially if that ruins anything that you were going to nah, list off, nah. anything you were going to list off later. But it, it sounded from the get-go like you have a little bit more Christmas spirit than I do. What is your favorite piece of Christmas media? Uh, Muppet Christmas Carol, hands down. Okay. Hands down. I love that movie. It was the version of Christmas Carol that I always watched as a kid. Like, I watched it before I ever read the book. I watched it... I mean, it came out when I was, like, five, so... That when I first watched a different version of Christmas Carol and found out that there wasn't two Marley brothers, because it's Statler and Waldorf, <laughs> and like, oh, Marley and Marley... Oh, I love that movie. Uh, I was mad. I was like... Where's Robert Marley? And my mom's like, what? It's Jacob and Robert. Robert. And she was like, oh, no, that's okay. You have to stop using the Muppet Christmas Carol as, like, the basis. And <laughs> I've never been able to do that. It's been way too many years now since I've seen Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, man. It it's... was a lot bigger for me in my youth, but I... I... Don't go back to that as often as I should, especially because I have a long-standing love of the Muppets. Oh, yeah. was even just watching the original Muppet movie a couple days ago. But I watched Great Muppet Caper a couple weeks ago. Mm. The the Britain one. The, the most bizarre Muppet movie out there, probably. Uh, I'd have to go... I mean, it's not... You're, I mean, even the Muppets is, like, tangentially genre-related. Oh, yeah. But I have to go with the uh, Peace on Earth Little Drummer Boy... David Bowie, Bing Crosby. <laughs> I forgot that existed. It is the only Christmas song I can listen to year-round. That's fair. Uh, again, Muppet Christmas Carol, the one I entered the uh, show with, which is the Ghost of Christmas Presents song. That that song will get stuck in my head. It was, uh, it was recorded September 11th, 1972, never forget. <laughs> yes, that's what that's what we're never forgetting. For Bing Crosby's Merry Old Christmas. 
and was Bing Crosby's last television appearance before he passed. Oh, wow. Uh, but is also just beautiful. Uh, it was kind of this weird, like, Bing Crosby passing the torch on was... to, like, the younger generation. And you got a super young Bowie. I was going to say, that was when Bowie was just, like, coming up in the world, wasn't it? Like I'm not sure, like, when in his career, because I'm not the biggest, biggest Bowie fan. Like, yeah, I love I... me some Bowie, but... But I don't know his biography super well. His discography better, but... Exactly. So I'm not sure where it was at, but I mean, this is 72, so it would have been earlier. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, and you can see just from the picture of Bowie. Yeah, he's like, young. He's young in that. And it's 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 such a weird moment because you also have like Bing Crosby, not just Bing Crosby, <laughs> but like old man Bing Crosby. So he yeah, just he's looks like a cardigan there. Like, he just looks like, a fucking, you know, he's just a grandpa. And then you have weird ass David Bowie and it's they're sharing this touching Christmas moment. And it's, it's like when Elton John and Eminem did a oh, concert dude, together. I, I had that taped. I I'm really not a big Eminem fan. I owned that album for a while. Uh, I can listen to that all year round. Oh, yeah. And so that, I mean, well, we're going to get into genre, but that's my favorite Christmas little thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So here's like the ultimate nerd Christmas question. Okay. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yeah. Okay. Didn't even have to debate this at all. No, I. Any movie where it I takes count, place I at count, Christmas, if it like, takes place at Christmas and like that factors into the plot of like why things are going down at that time. Yeah. Like all those people wouldn't have been there except it was the Christmas party. You ever see the? Uh, do you watch Brooklyn Nine Nine at all? I've seen a little bit of it, not too much though. The uh, main character, Andy Samberg's <clears throat> character, Jake Peralta, is just a diehard obsessive. It's like one of the longest running gags. But for a Christmas episode, they had a diehard episode where okay. they're, they're trapped in a uh, mall in this case on Christmas, and terror you know, robbers attack, and he decides that it's his diehard moment and like dresses down to the. Uh, the tank top shirt mm -hmm. keeps trying to find ways to say yippee kaye motherfucker and keeps getting yeah step on glass yeah i think so just get his feet all fucked up <laughs> leaving bloody footprints everywhere uh that's what i remember more than anything from die hard i'm not gonna lie like i don't like the idea of stepping on that much yep, glass nope that's horrible to even think about cool yeah no i i don't know i think christmas movies are really broad term yeah that's there's plenty of stuff. I mean, a surprising number of people are like, oh, I watched Lord of the Rings on Christmas. And, like, it works, but it's not something I ever really thought of before. Mm -hmm. I, now, I I mean, that's cool that they do it, but I would not say that Lord of the Rings is a No, it's not movie. at all, but it, there's a, a kind of thematic appropriateness to it. I think it's it might just be the elves. I don't know. I, we, I mean, we accidentally reviewed a Christmas movie last week on fried squirms what movie it's a belgian uh french belgian horror movie called calvaire okay i don't know why i even asked i wasn't gonna recognize the movie anyways. oh i know i know but it's just we weren't trying i didn't know it was a christmas movie get into the movie it's a christmas movie i was like oh we probably should have just waited a week and then <laughs> you're just feeling the spirit hard apparently um but even that oh but that's that's another one, though, I brought it up because it's another weirdly ch tangential Christmas movie mm -hmm. where 
the guy wouldn't have been traveling if it wasn't if it wasn't for Christmas. But it and it kind of weirdly fits in because there's weird Christianity motifs throughout it. But fair enough. um, Anyway, that's something else entirely. Calvair's weird. We don't need to get into that. (laughs) Listen to the episode on fried squirms if you're interested. That's right. Go check out (laughs) earworm.com. We're going to plug ourselves in the middle of this episode. I know you posed this question out on social media, uh, and you you asked me in the hallway at work the other day. As one does. What are you going to choose as your favorite Doctor Who Christmas special? Oh, God. Uh, Thank you for giving me that intro, because really, there's a good chance that I wanted to do this so we could talk about the Muppets and Doctor Who. (laughs) Uh, Oh, my God. Now I want to cross over. Sorry. Uh, favorite one. Hmm. It's gotta be either, oh, what was it called? I think the Christmas Invasion. It was the first David Tennant episode. Or to go the complete opposite direction, Twice Upon a Time, which was the final Capaldi episode. Oh. Oh, God. I, Capaldi's greatest skill in Doctor Who was his ability to give an impassioned speech. That man can give a speech like nobody's business. And his final speech before he regenerates might have been his finest one out of all of them. Well, uh, impassioned speech especially, because his eyebrows did half the work. <laughs> he just, his range of how he could go from, like, really important moment to never eat pears! Like, it, it, it just embodied what I liked about the Doctor. And I love me grumpy old man doctor matt smith david Tennant, they were great uh uh they're fantastic jody whitaker in the new one i'm so excited for the new season but there's something about grumpy old man doctor he did it tom baker sort of did it that is just it speaks to my soul especially the older i get the only reason capaldi isn't my for sure like favorite 100 percent doctor is because i kind of feel like the writing didn't do him well during most of his run? Um, it was really uneven. The, the Stephen Moffat, who was running the show for a time, uh, Matt Smith had the same problem. When Moffat's writing is on, it's, it's perfect. Great. He it's has a, written some amazing episodes of that show. Blink is still probably the best episode of the new series. Uh, Blink is one of the best episodes of TV that's ever been made. <laughs> yeah. they and There's other ones, but I'm, of course I can't immediately think of anything else. But... Moffat, I think, needs someone to tell him no. And he needs someone to tell him that it's not a fairy tale. I don't know. I liked that at first, and then it just went a little too far. Yeah. Uh, There's fairy tale things you can do. And, in fact, I would say my favorite Doctor Who uh, Christmas specials last Christmas, where they actually find a way to make Santa Claus work. Oh, God, the Nick Frost one. <laughs> that, And that's why I love it. That really encapsulates, I think, the, the thing about Doctor Who Christmas specials is they often have some of the worst actual storyline. Like, the, the plot that's going on is often really weak. But what they, like, the, as character studies, they tend to be some of the stronger ones. Which, I mean, Doctor Who plot is about half the reason why we watch it anyways, so, like, yeah, it, it's not as important as, say, uh, I don't know, Star Trek, the, like, pl- weak plot one stuck out a lot stronger. And once again, and that one, Last Christmas, written by Moffat, starring Capaldi. 
we're all right in what we were talking about anyway, but there's so many good, like, the snowman is great. Snowman is great. Donna Noble first appeared, and I don't remember what it's called, but uh, in a Christmas special, and that one's awesome. And it does some of what the Christmas special... And her some... grandfather on Christmas is the most, oh my the greatest thing ever. God, I would have watched like four seasons of just him traveling in the TARDIS. But actually, both of those do what some of the best Christmas specials do, where it takes place during Christmas, you know, Die Hard style, but it's not specifically a Christmas thing. Mm-hmm. Like, the Narnia episode was pretty good, and it was very Christmassy, but, like, it was... Sometimes the Christmas overwhelmed it a little bit. Uh, for me, I like Last Christmas because it shows off what's possible when you want to have fun with your sci-fi. Yeah. You can come up with a way in a show where you're going through time but you meet a completely fictional character. Doctor Who knows how to have fun with what it's doing, I think, better than any other sci-fi show. I also really loved the Robin Hood episode for the same reason. Yes, that's actually the first thing I was thinking of there. It's, um, and it's another one that is a really goofy episode, but it's okay to be goofy, which other sci-fi often has trouble doing. They're so determined to be taken seriously that they can't poke fun at themselves at all. And I do... I do believe there should be a certain rigidity to sci-fi, but it you don't have to have that all the time. Mm-hmm. I think that little bit of rigidity is what separates it from being just a full-on fairy tale. Yeah. Uh, which is what we were already saying. Moffat might have lost sight of that at times. but I guess when the show goes for, God, it's 60 years old now, and I know there was like a 15-year gap in there, but still, that show is fucking ancient. Mm-hmm. I, the, I suppose it's inevitable that you're going to be like, all right, I'm going to just push this one angle of the show as far as we can go with it. There is one downside for me to last Christmas. Yeah, what's that? It continued Capaldi bringing Clara along. Oh, right. You really hated Clara. I like Clara until they continued to pull her along for, like, every fucking season that they could stretch her out. Yeah, Clara had the problem of they, they launched her with a very specific, like goal in mind the impossible girl thing which was a little overdone but it was kind of fun at the same time like it was it was fine uh but they didn't know what to do with her afterwards because before it was this big like i'm taking care of these kids i want to travel i want to do this and then they dropped like most of her characterization from the first season and they never quite knew what to do with her and again i liked the examination of like a doctor and a companion that pushed each other too far Mm-hmm. Like the, the taking the dare thing too far, but it took some really radical character reinvention to get her from point A to point B. And I mean, honestly, I feel it did Capaldi a disservice to not have his own companion sooner. Yeah, it's a little hard sometimes, uh, although like picking up the Sarah others. Jane Smith stayed on for a couple seasons of Tom Baker and it worked mm-hmm. great. Like it was just the right combo. Uh, and they had a decent chemistry between Clara and Capaldi, but there's no getting around it. The chemistry that he had with Bill and Nardole was a hundred times better. So much better. Ah, I would have watched so many seasons of those three together. Oh, Nardole. (laughs) (laughs) So amazing. Okay, so beyond Doctor Who. Yeah. 
what else genre are you going to throw at me? How, how do we want to bring these up? Did you bring me a, like... I brought through a list and we've ran through most of them already. So, like, this is not a super organized episode, but that's okay. It can be a nice, chill Christmas treat. I wanted to bring up the Doctor Who because you had already asked me specifically early in the week. That's otherwise, probably the biggest one. Otherwise, I brought my top three. Hit me your top three. So, number three. You could argue this isn't quite genre, but it would be genre adjacent, especially because nerds love the show. Uh, communities... Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas. Oh, is that the the uh, claymation one that That's they did? That's the claymation oh, one. That was that was on point right there. Community's first three seasons were so good, so good. For those who haven't seen it, I'm just I'm gonna this is gonna get a little bit spoilery because I want to fucking. It came out like six years yeah, ago. It came out. It's okay. I just hey, give a warning. Fair just enough. Just a little bit of a warning, and just going forward with anything I say from here on out. I mean, we've already given some sort of spoilers, I'm mm-hmm. sure, in some of our talk, but it's there. Anyway, if you haven't seen Community, Abed is already definitely non-neurotypical, and this episode involves him having a break from reality. It's kind of dark at its core, but it ends up involving one of the more, the more touching uh, sentiments about what the holiday is all about mm-hmm. by the very end of it. And it's him having to deal with the fact that his mom isn't going to show up this year to share Christmas and watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer with him. Because she's got a new family now. Like she, mm-hmm. He reads the letter eventually that she sends him, and I was like, Jesus, like that is, that is dark. Uh, but then, yeah. The episode, but then <laughs> the entire thing is done in this silly stop-motion claymation. Who, who made those claymations? Like, there's a specific company that... That did, like, Rudolph and Frosty oh, and... the uh, Rankin-Bass? That's it, Rankin-Bass. Oh, I love those, too. And there's tons of, like, meta-references throughout this. Uh, whenever they start saying claymation, Abed continually corrects them on how the puppets are actually made. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite Rankin-Bass Christmas special? Um, uh, the, the, the cold free, the freeze miser and... Heat Miser. Oh God! What was that one? Ah, that one. Was Is good. that the Christmas without a Santa Claus or something? That might have been. It was pointed out somewhere else. Santa's a dick in those. Yeah, he's always just like, ah, oh, pissed off that I have to do this. So Rudolph, get over here. But Abed is having a break from reality and is seeing everything as the claymation, and John Oliver gets the class to <laughs> aid him in. Uh, enabling this to try to get to the end to figure out what's bothering Abed in the first place since they don't know about the letter to begin with. And Except since he's John Oliver, such and, a shitty psychiatrist, he's just being like, I'm going to write such a good paper off this. Oh my God, I'm going to make so much money. Did <laughs> somebody take notes? <laughs> and, and people get knocked off and it gets wonkified and they sing songs about them whenever they drop out of helping him along his quest. His quest is basically just the Polar Express, which my family is huge on. I have seen that movie way too many fucking times. I, I saw the movie like once and CGI Tom Hanks freaked me out. I don't really like it that much, but... Like, I loved the book as a kid, though. Like the original Polar Express kids mm-hmm. book that didn't have weird CGI Tom Hanks was one of my earliest Christmas memories, I think. 
I will I will admit on here because I know they don't listen. I don't like it that much. <laughs> but you like your family, so you. And I like it. my family, but like my little sister will watch that movie like three times in a row oh. over the Christmas holidays, like. Yep. And they like the entire family loves getting down to like the hot chocolate sequence and like, I it's and you're like, I put hey. up with it. I'm like I'm happy you're happy. <laughs> Uh, that was my mom with Jane Austen movies. When I was a kid, Jane Austen played all the damn time. By the end of the episode, the best thing, when Abed finally gets into the Christmas gift with the meaning of Christmas, he finds the first season of Lost. <laughs> which he says that is a metaphor for a lack of payoff. Oh, Jesus Christ. But he later explains, and that's where the, the touching thing... And the whole sentiment about Christmas that is a lot deeper than most Christmas specials ever touch on. And it's the meaning of Christmas is the idea that Christmas has meaning and it can mean whatever we want. Yeah, that kind of sums up Christmas for me. Because I said, I don't have any... I went to church once on Christmas and spent the entire time being like, what are we doing here? Because, I mean, I I was a kid. So, yeah, that's a whole lot of the reason I like Christmas is because I like giving people things, and I like getting stuff things. I'm not going to lie about that. And it's an excuse to drink hot cocoa and be with the people you care about. Mm-hmm. And it's even funnier when you realize that, that just means he's saying that the meaning of Lost is that Lost has meaning and you can mean whatever you want. <laughs> oh, man, that reminds me. I was reading about Damon Lindelof talking about how there might not be a Watchmen season two. Well, uh, it was set up to be a miniseries. Yeah. And he's like, we're not saying we won't do it, but I'm definitely not promising anything. And even he was kind of ripping how Lost got lost. <laughs> Ooh, self-burn. Yeah. Those are rare. Uh, number two, Tale of Two Santas from Futurama. Yep. Can't believe I forgot about SantaBot. That is, that is peak genre Christmas right there. Uh, I think most people out of the... I think there's three Futurama Christmas specials mm-hmm. uh, tend to go with Xmas Story, which is the first special in the second season. Uh, that one has a little bit more touching story, and that's the one where Fry accidentally makes Leela mad for always thinking about himself, and he goes out into the streets and braves Santa Bot. To, to get her, like, a lizard or something like that. Well, yeah. he's choosing between 500 lizards and a parrot. <laughs> that's it. Um. <laughs> God, Futurama. Early Futurama. But I kind of like the second one a little bit more where they have to go to Neptune and you find out all the elves are Neptunians. And, <laughs> and you have Coolio as Kwanzaabot. And uh, Bender has to be Santa Bot for that year. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great one. That's just... I just thought, I thought it was... I, I love Futurama's touching moments, but Xmas Story doesn't isn't as high up on those touching moments as mm-hmm. like Jurassic Bark is for me uh, or like that's unfair or the devil's are that what the devil's hands are idle playthings. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, or luck of the Fryrish. That's okay. You, it, it's okay to have shows that aren't necessarily as deep and are sometimes just fun. Right. Like, but the humor in Tale of Two Santas was on point for me. I loved Bender getting to go crazy with Santa for a bit. And then Santa at the end being like, you better not try this shit again. <laughs> I will fucking kill you. <laughs> God, I'd forgotten about Santa Bot. That's so good. The elves were all fucking... I mean, they were living in terrible conditions, but they made it so funny. <laughs> uh, and then number one, Black Adder's Christmas Carol. 
Oh, Black Adder. I just keep saying, oh, whatever show today, but you keep listing off so many good fucking shows, Tyler. Uh, I really hope that we'll go deeper on Black Adder at some point, so. Oh, yeah, we'll have to do a watch through. I haven't watched Black Adder in years. If you've never heard of Black Adder before, it was a British sitcom. Uh, Rowan Atkinson. Rowan Atkinson, better known as Mr. Bean. Uh, this is, I would say that Blackadder is probably his more critically acclaimed work. It's smarter. Mr. Bean is funny, but it's mostly like, let's do almost vaudeville style humor. What can we do without speaking? Mm-hmm. Uh, while Blackadder actually has the kind of like really sharp wit that Rowan Atkinson is so Past good at. season one. Season one's a mess. It's fun. It's not that clever. Anyway, this... Hugh Laurie's in that show, isn't mm-hmm. he? The setup for the show is it follows... Well, the the first season has the Prince Edmund, uh, who eventually a titles, uh, attains the title the Black Adder, or the Sobriquet. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the show follows his descendants. Yeah, and it's and always... And it goes through history. Each season is in a different time period, and it's a descendant of the original Black Adder, and as he gets smarter going through time, his station in life becomes lower. And he tends to have, after the first season, he tends to have the same two characters coming with him. Uh, Usually a very rich but dumb character played by Hugh Laurie. And I don't remember the name of the other guy. Uh, Oh, Baldrick, his manservant? Yeah. Who's always an idiot but is always hilarious. So season one is kind of like a take on Macbeth. And honestly, if you ever want to skip season one, I kind of recommend it. There's there's some really funny scenes in it. But yeah, it is super weak compared to the rest of them. The best part is Brian Blessed. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. Uh, What I like about Blackadder is it's the same family, but it's really the same person. It was just them being like, all right, let's do it. But in this world instead, like it's a real clever way to do a lot of stuff with the character. Uh, season two is probably overall my favorite season, and that's Elizabethan Blackadder. And he's still like a lord at that point, yep. isn't he? And then he's uh, a manservant in season three. To uh, Prince George, played by Hugh Laurie. And then he's a... And it's in the Prince Regency era. And then... Uh, World War One officer. like, But like super low-ranking World War One officer. Yep, down in the trenches. That one... Like, that final episode made me sob when oh, I was a I, kid. Like, it's I sad. cry every time I watch that episode. <laughs> it's I a have... World War One episode. Nothing good happens. Like, and, and every season ends with Blackadder dying. Like, always. But A Blackadder's Christmas Carol takes place uh, between three and four. Mm-hmm. And it's a Christmas Carol, basically. Except you have Ebenezer Blackadder... <laughs> The kindest man in all of Britain. <laughs> Jesus. Or the most uh, generous man and nicest man in all of England, who runs a mustache shop, I believe. <laughs> and Victorian times, all of that. He accidentally gets woke up by the ghost of Spirit Past, <laughs> uh, who barged in the wrong place. But he's like, oh, you're such a nice chap. I'm going to do you a favor and show you all this stuff that I normally reserve for terrible people that needed to turn their lives around. (laughs) Uh, And and he's played by uh, Hagrid. Oh, God, Robbie Coltrane? Yes. Oh, Jesus. Oh, the Spirit of Christmas is played by Robbie Coltrane. And he takes him, and the one spirit in this version takes him through all the time periods rather than the handing off of the spirits. It's only like half hour, 45 minutes long. Like, it's not... You don't have so much time. 
so you see distant versions and you sort of get to see like especially in the past like how his ancestors kind of got away with being really shitty people because <laughs> black Hatter's always just a giant schemer oh, and man. trying to get ahead in life however Terrible. he can he sees in the future that if he keeps up his ways of being the nicest man in all of england that his eventual descendants in the far far future will be manservants to baldrick <laughs> <laughs> and have basically been forced into the baldrick role while baldrick becomes king of the universe for all of like an hour because he's fucked things up in a way that's about to end like all of humanity so he's like well i'm gonna be a dick now so he decides to be a dick and he's just the next day a dick to everybody who shows up at his door pissing off his family which is all right because they were annoying and greedy and most yeah. of the people he ran into were terrible anyway so you don't really <laughs> mind that he's being terrible to them but then he fucks up by being terrible to queen victoria <laughs> as she is going around in disguise to reward the most generous people that she could find this isn't exactly Day. like the happiest feeling of christmas <laughs> thing i've ever seen but oh god I, I i know i've seen it i haven't seen it in decades probably uh and then yeah and you go and he so he fucks himself over by by being a shithead to queen vic herself mm -hmm. and screwing himself out of a shit ton of money and like a title appointment or something like that it's insane what she was going to give out <laughs> and then you know just goes to the credits yep. and you get to see how baldrick spelled christmas without getting any of the letters right oh boy <laughs> He is the only person to have ever spelled Christmas without getting a single letter <laughs> right. Uh, but point of this, watch Black Eyed Christmas special. And that's what I have. That's my my three favorite. Oh, let's see. My three big ones. Oh, and you do have Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie showing up in the special, too. That's right. Stephen, I forgot Fry was in it. Mm -hmm. I, and I, Miranda Richardson, Jim Broadbent. They, like, it was a just all-star cast that they got. Let's see, I already talked a little bit about the Muppets. Uh, that one really solidified why Gonzo's my favorite Muppet, by the way. Uh, same here. Uh, Love Gonzo. And uh, talked a little bit about Doctor Who Christmas specials. Those are kind of my two big ones. Uh, and then for third, I'm going to give you the Hogfather. Oh, okay. Uh, do you know anything about Hogfather? It's... Other than it's Pratchett. Okay, no. yeah. Hogfather is originally a book. They also did a BBC miniseries by Terry Pratchett in the Discworld, and it's the Discworld version of a Christmas story. So it's weird and funny and acerbic. Uh, and the basic concept of it is that the Hogfather has been... Hogfather being uh, Santa Claus, basically, but also a pig, has died? Or been made to not exist thanks to belief, because belief is so big in the Discworld books. Uh, so death has to become the Hogfather. Oh, death. Uh, to make sure that the sun rises the next day. Oh, I love Discworld death. And Discworld death justifies the existence of Discworld, even if like nothing else did. And it all does. Uh, and I believe he's voiced by Christopher Lee in the BBC special. He, okay. he is in one of them, and I don't know if it's this one or one of the other ones. And so it's a skeleton with glowing blue eyes in a Santa Claus outfit with a pillow taped around his stomach that keeps falling out. 
trying to make people believe, and it's his granddaughter being like, what is happening? Oh my god. Please, you're terrible at this. Oh, that's great. Like, he's like, little kids are being like, I want a sword. And he's like, we have a contract. And like, handing them, like, basically Excalibur. And then it ends up being, because it's Terry Pratchett, oddly touching at the very end. Like, because if there's one thing Terry Pratchett was good at, was making you laugh the whole time, and then making you uncomfortable, and then making you just, like, sentimental. Mm-hmm. I, I've read some Discworld I haven't gotten through that far yet. There's 40 of them. I Terry Pratchett's probably my favorite author at this point in my life, and I've gotten through, like, ten. Working think, on them slowly. I think I'm on like five of them. I am definitely not reading them in order either. I am, which is part of the reason why I'm taking so long. Oh, good. So you're right around the point where they start to really get good. Yeah, like well, the... I mean, I've liked what oh, I've they're read. All, but... They're all good, but there was a definite point where you're like, oh, Pratchett's figured out like what this series is to him now, as opposed to... Yeah, I will say that... When I got up to, like, equal rights, it felt quite a bit different than... When social commentary starts coming mm-hmm. in, too, that also really... It, it, it really brings it up from, like, this is, like, a funny but good fantasy series to, like, this is something special. Yeah, and he's just incredible. Mm-hmm. So, that's awesome. I'm That makes me more excited to get through more Discworld. Oh, God, yeah, I... Hmm. I know every time that we do this, I have, like, six times, like, we should do an episode on this... We should do an episode on Discworld. Oh, we're just holiday plans wise. We're getting through <laughs> the holidays and we're going to try to get settled because I feel like there's just been shit to get done every weekend for the past few months. But being alive in 2019. But then we're going to start being weekly. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this. I mean, we've been releasing weekly, but like not recording weekly and our. We built up a nice start, and then we were really quickly like, oh no. But we're going to be there soon, and then we'll be able to get to more stuff. Yeah. And that's what I'm looking forward to, because there is so much to talk about, as you keep point- as we both keep pointing out, <laughs> where we're like, we should talk about this way more in depth. But, I mean, we'll get there. Yeah. If we bring it up, we'll get there. <laughs> okay. Any other Christmas thoughts, Christmas things, Christmas plans? I don't care. Um, I just want some Nog. I don't have yeah, I haven't picked up right any now. nog yet. I might have to pick up, pick up some nog, pick up some rum. I've been overall trying to be a bit healthier these past few months, and so I've been trying to stay away from the nog. But I love eggnog I'm... so much. <laughs> I love that everyone either loves or despises eggnog. Like there doesn't seem to be an in between. And that's why I haven't allowed myself to touch it yet because it is really easy for me to down multiple quarts yeah i'll make myself ill on it and then hate it afterwards and then like next time i see it in the store being like ooh, eggnog yeah so i will give myself eggnog sometime soon while it is still easily available but i have had to hold back <laughs> <laughs> last time around christmas that i was in a liquor store i saw they had like pre-mixed eggnog and rum and i'm like oh that's just starting for a mistake like Just buying it honest like that. Yeah, I might pick up some eggnog on the way home. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so I guess that leads to our final portion of the show. Do you have any recommendations for people? Oh, um, yeah, I could have also listed this and what else I've been watching recently, Mm -hmm. but it's the thing I'm more like... There's some crossover. There's some crossover, because this is what I'm most likely to recommend to a wider swath of people. Mm -hmm. I uh, finally started watching Barry on HBO. I don't know that one. 
Bill Hader is a assassin. He's a hitman who, while on a job in L.A., accidentally does part of an acting class and gets <laughs> and gets bit by the acting bud bug. And it's a drama. I wouldn't say it's a dramedy. It's a drama slash comedy. Okay. Because it does both equally well. That is him honestly dealing with really severe PTSD from being a combat vet and like integrating himself and like learning how to interact with people while trying to get out of being a hitman and taking a really shitty acting class from Henry Winkler. Man, this show like takes on a lot in one quick go. Uh, while being involved with Chechen mobsters and, <laughs> and uh, having a handler that is obviously taking advantage of him being uh, played by Stephen Root. So Wow. Okay. Yeah. You have the Fonz and Stephen Root and Bill Hader and Darcy Carden is uh, from The Good Place is one of the members of the acting class. So that's you said HBO. That's on HBO. Yes. Cool. And it just won a shit ton of awards, and now I understand why because I have been binging it this past week. So, uh, three recommendations, I guess. One is just real quick: read Hogfather, watch Hogfather, whichever you want to do. The uh, BBC special is in two parts, so maybe don't try it all in one go. It ends up being like three hours long, but super good, super fun. Little unnerving, but like in a good way. Uh, what recommendations did I have? Oh, uh, be, uh, Stephen Fry's Mythos on Audible. It, I, that's the one I said in my recommendation. Sorry, not Stephen Fry's Mythos. Stephen Fry's Victorian Secrets, which is his other Audible one. And it's him talking with historians about various things of the Victorian age, ranging from being gay in the Victorian era to being watching porn in the Victorian era to how toilets worked. Like, all the stuff that's really interesting about the Victorian era that the Victorians would have just been like, we couldn't possibly talk about that. Oh, that's uh, funny. This oh. is where I learned that apparently the Victorians believed that if a child was ugly, it came from an unhappy marriage. So you saw an ugly kid in the streets and you're like, man, your parents hate each other. <laughs> Which is just like the meanest thing I've ever heard. But it's so good. Oh, that's amazing. I, I'm i on board for anything where I get to hear a lot of Stephen Fry's voice. Yep. Do I get to hear a lot of Stephen Fry's voice? Oh, man, I downloaded... Uh, it's just Audible. I got him reading all of the Sherlock Holmes stories, and Ooh. that's one of the next ones I'm going on. So just, mm, Stephen Fry does the best version of the Harry Potter audiobooks. Putting it out there, not sorry. I learned something just today yeah. while we're talking about Stephen Fry and Harry Potter. J.K. Rowling... Only would continue to use the word pocketed. Pocketable. Pocketed. pocketed it. That's it. Because he can't say it, and he kind of pissed her off one time when they met. There's there's video of him telling the story of this, and he's like, I didn't mean to be, but I was kind of snooty, which I have gotten the impression that that's just Stephen Fry in a nutshell. Yep. Kind of a snooty bitch, but, like, brilliant. And, in like, was, like, condescending to her about writing more books. And so, like, he couldn't say pocketed. And, like, even in the interview, he's like, pocketed it. Yeah, he adds on extra edited. I just learned about that today, and it's funny that you bring it up. So they call her up, and we're like, can we just say put it in his pocket? And she goes, no. And hangs up the phone. And they're like, okay. And it's been in every book since. Like, that's any time I listen to the Harry Potter audiobooks now, I, like, 
listen for I, that. I listen for the moment there's pocketed. Um, pocketed. Pocketed. And then in my final recommendation, and this is... Which is such a weird hang-up for such an eloquent man. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but final recommendation is complete polar opposite of everything we talked about is The Immortal Hulk by Al Ewing and Joe Bennett. It's the current Hulk run. Okay. It is the best Hulk I have ever read. Hulk is usually an idea that I think works better in idea than execution. Mm-hmm. Like, Hulk's a great concept, but I've never regularly followed the Hulk. I am reading this religiously. It is going back to the Hulk's uh, horror roots, because he was based off a combination of Frankenstein and uh, Jekyll and Hyde. Like, he was, right. because Stanley loved those old, like, hammer horror films. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one kind of goes back to that, because Hulk had been dead. Hulk isn't the story that Stanley tells in Mallrats. Hmm? Hulk isn't based off the story that Stanley no, tells in no, Mallrats. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, God, I forgot about that. But uh, Hulk was dead, and he comes back, and instead of, like, awkward origin explaining, never talking about it again, it's the the big plot line of this is Hulk can die really easily in this story, but he never stays dead. Okay. He, he's reborn as the Hulk at midnight that night. Really bringing in the kind of, like, zombie, okay. undead thing. Mm-hmm. And this Hulk is much closer to the original Hulk, so he's smart and kind of nasty. This is not a Hulk that would work on the Avengers at all. Oh. It is creepy. Joe Bennett has some of the most, some of the best body horror artwork I have ever seen. I read each issue just obsessively. And I don't really care for horror, and I'm not a big Hulk fan. So, like... I did not but think the real the... merger of the two was going to be perfect. And instead, I'm like, give me more. That's cool. Yeah. That sounds uh, really neat. Al Ewing is one of the best writers that Marvel has right now. He's this weird British guy. Because if you want good comic books, you hire weird British dudes with big beards. Um, I feel like I may have read something. He's been doing a bunch of Avengers. He did... Because uh, the name is really familiar, but... I don't, I don't know. I'll, Ewing's great. Anytime he writes something, I'm like, oh, okay, you're going to be worth my at least looking at. And this is the best thing he's written. Okay. Uh, I'll look it up later. I, I feel like I've read something, but... Yeah. Damn, that sounds cool. Oh, yeah. Check it out. You got anything else for us today? I, I have nothing else. I think I think we've reached the end of this episode. Oh, right. Uh, well, mostly the end, because this is the part where we should probably point out that... If you want to keep listening to us, we'd super appreciate it if you'd hit subscribe however you're currently listening to us. That way you always get the latest episode when it drops. And recommend us to people. I know we're a little rough. Give us. You can also contact us at, what is it, earverm at uh, gmail? Oh yeah, uh, well there, you can go generalnerdcast at gmail.com. That's it. Uh, or you can just message us on Facebook. I promise I check it more than I should. <laughs> Uh, or you can contact us through the website. You can find us uh, over at earverm.com. That's E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com or generalnerdcast.com, which you probably don't need me to spell out to you. Yeah. Uh, if you enjoyed this at all, also you can find Tyler at uh, our other Earverm podcast, uh, Fried Squirms. And if you enjoyed listening to me at all, I'm actually about to go record the first episode of another podcast I'm joining through a different company called The Art of Wargaming, which if you like that one, you'll probably like this one. Or this one, that You know what I'm saying. Strike that reverse. Yeah. 
that is, we are going through the art of war and relating it to wargaming. So LARPing, Warhammer 40k, anything like that. Check I it out. plan on listening to it. It's pretty good. In the meantime, we're your General's Nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. Dismissed! Dismissed.